This is the Norris Group's Real Estate Investor Radio Show, the award-winning show dedicated to thought leaders shaping the real estate industry and local experts revealing their insider tips to succeed in an ever-changing real estate market. Hosted by author, investor, and hard money lender, Bruce Norris. The Norris Group proudly presents our 16th annual award-winning event, I Survived Real Estate. Industry experts join Bruce Norris to discuss evolving industry trends, real estate bubbles, inflation, and opportunities emerging for real estate professionals. All proceeds from the event benefit Make-A-Wish and St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. We want to thank our platinum partners, Inland Empire Real Estate Investment Club, San Diego Creative Investors Association, White Feather Investments, Wilson Investment Properties, U-Direct IRA Services, MVT Productions, and Realty 411 Magazine. So please welcome to the stage Craig Evans. He's the CEO of Douglas Brook Homes, DBL Capital, and Trinity Building Homes and Design, and Cornelius Burke. He is the, the VP of Legislative Affairs for the California Building Industry Association. Thank you. Bruce, take it away. Thank you. You have a quote that I wanted to ask you about. It says, we are in crisis, so now we have to remove barriers. That's a, that's a really appropriate quote in California. What, what were the barriers? Thank you, Bruce, for opening this Pandora's box. Uh, <laughs> good evening, everybody. Cornelius Burke, of Vice President of Legislative Affairs for the California Building Industry Association. We represent, Cal we represent California's home builders. Our members, we build master plan communities, townhomes, ADUs, custom homes. We build about 85% of the new construction of homes in California. And California is a very tough state to do business. It's a beautiful state. We have Disneyland, we have the beaches, we have the mountains, but it's a tough state. Well, our top challenges here at the state capitol was the insurance crisis. As many of you know, probably experienced yourself, a lot of insurance premium either went up exponentially or policyholders had saw their policies get canceled. So the California Building Industry Association worked with the governor's office, the insurance commissioner, to try to address that, that, that issue. It's still ongoing, but that's been the top issue of the state capitol for housing. Number two, it's been with us for a while now, is the California Environmental Quality Act, CEQA. It is so hard to get the green light to build anything in California because of rules such as CEQA, where people use it to stop projects under the guise of, of environmental issues. And just lastly, a lot of regulations that get added every year and a lot of new bills that emerge in Sacramento. One bill that we were able to defeat at the state capitol this year and hold for now is AB 68. This bill would limit our ability to build in suburban areas. It would have pretty much mandated statewide that the only new housing we could have is in infill areas and urban areas near transit. Thanks to the work of the California Building Industry Association and others, we were able to stop that bill from proceeding in the state legislature this year. We also stopped another bill, AB 1000, which sought to limit warehouse development, particularly in the Inland Empire. And we also stopped another bill, 
1335 that would have prevented home builders from selling two or more homes in one purchase. So a lot of bad bills we were able to stop at the state capitol that would have hurt our business and hurt our ability to increase production of new homes in California. Well, thank, thank, you for, <laughs> thank you for standing up for something that's reasonable. Craig, you live in Florida. It's a little easier to build there. Yeah, I didn't have to fight any of these bills. It's fantastic. You know, I can get my permits in 30 to, well, I should say that. Now we're at about 90 days for a permit, so it's, it's not, uh, you know, 19 years like some of the things here in California. So. Yeah, he's not joking about that. There was uh, yeah, a friend of mine that had a, he called me up all excited. He had a track of land approved, and it was in Menifee, and uh, when he started, it, he was 72, and when he called, he was 91. <laughs> I'm glad he was still around, you know? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably waiting just for that. It's like, all right. Craig, take me, take me through the time frame. If you, gotta, if you just need a, you're going to create a track of lots, so you literally have a, a big parcel of land and what would be the time process to say, okay, I'm, I'm going to build these out to a track of houses? Approximately, what's the time frame in Florida to do that? So I, I guess there's two factors there. If we're, if we're developing new land, uh, that process, we can start going with horizontals within 11 months or so. Uh, from, from completely raw land, we could, we could start to go horizontal within about 11 months and then within 90 days after that, start to go vertical. Uh, but the interesting thing about Florida right now, uh, you know, is in, in, especially in southwest Florida and uh, some areas on the east coast of Florida, uh, the, the scattered lot game in Florida is, is really what's a big deal. Uh, in, in the areas where we build on the, the southwest side from south of Tampa down to, uh, you know, Naples area, uh, there, there's, there's thousands and thousands and thousands of vacant lots. Cape Coral alone, at the beginning of this year, we had still had 70,000 vacant lots. Entitlements in and approved. Uh, you know, you've got a, a city just east of us that has 104,000 square miles of vacant lots, entitlements in and approved. All I've got to do is to go pull a permit and I can start building in, you know, 90 days. Uh, so the, the, the game changes in, in the state of Florida quite dramatically. Is, Cornelius, is, is California got a, a, a big shortage of houses because of their policies? Absolutely. We are in a housing crisis because of these policies. The governor, when he ran for governor in 2018, his goal was 3.5 million homes by 2025. Uh, we're not there at all. <laughs> um, the Department of Finance, they have 2.5 by 2030. Um, we need to build as much housing as possible. And the, one of the challenges that we face in our state, we need a band of folks, everyone in this room, everyone up and down the state to be cheerleaders for housing. The nimbyism in this state is out of control. The policies that, we, that our elected officials push in Sacramento are very problematic to housing production. And we need folks to raise their hand and say, yes, in my backyard, we need more housing. I mean, just this week, the California Department of Housing and Community Development released a report on the city of San Francisco. Their land use approval process take hundreds of days to approve a project, hundreds of days to get a permit for a project. 
then we look around and say, wow, why don't we have housing? It's because of our policies that make it so tough to build housing in our state. So instead of building new houses, uh, so I'm familiar with the charts. California usually goes on a cycle, ends up about 150,000 houses, uh, you know, but just came off of 120 before that, 100. So you never passed 50 or 60,000 homes for this whole run of boom. You never. Last year, we, we, we tracked building permits. Last year, we had about 130. What? Uh, 130 for what? Um, multifamily and. Multifamily. And I'm talking about single family. Normally, you have 150 single family. So they were absent like 100. It's, was yes. it, it was because it just wasn't practical for a builder to go through the process? Is that basically it? You just go, eh. Some of it's just, it's just the land use approval process, some of it's just the market's dynamics, but yeah, a lot of it is the local land use approval process. So, ADUs has become the thing. So, is that, apparently that's something California wants to occur. Absolutely, ADUs have taken off, and it's because of just re reducing the barriers. Now they're ministerial, they're buy right over the counter. Um, there was, Legislation passed this year and signed into law to make them ADU condos. A lot of questions on implementation of that. Um, there's more financing available for ADUs, and they've taken off. ADUs has been just a huge growth throughout the state because of some of those barriers that have been removed. It's been my experience that density is not a good thing. I just, I'll just lay that out. I, I've been a, a buyer for a long time. The best deals that I've ever gotten is when you have fourplexes tied together in an area. I bought them in Moreno Valley, San Bernardino, Riverside for nothing because of the density creates dangerous environments. So that's why I'm, and I'm just being, I'm just trying to be concerned about something. When Aaron passed away, I actually drove around Riverside to visit each of the houses that he was at. You know what was in common? There were par cars parked on the, on, the, on the, not the street, on the lawns of every house. So somebody had, we had a five-bedroom house at one point. There, there were five cars on the lawn. Hmm. So they had five people. So, you know, when you're adding ADUs, is there some consideration about, okay, we're adding maybe too many people in one place as opposed to, you know, your statement was really interesting. We're in a crisis and now we have to move barriers. You know, that's a good thing to think out in advance, right? So as you're, you're getting housing demand, but you're placing it inside of an existing house. And now you're saying, I think there's even rules now passed that that becomes possible to deed as an owner. Is that correct? Yes, and also, interesting enough, SB 1069, which was signed into law in 2016, doesn't require parking requirements, so that's some of the challenges that you're talking about. Um, Yes, we do see a lot of challenges with more infill development, parking, um, and just noise, a lot of challenges. But as we talked about with AB 68, we have a, a state legislator who doesn't want any suburban housing. He doesn't want? Any suburban housing at all. Right. So we do see this, this, this tug of war with policymakers and urban planners who believe that all the growth should be in infill areas near transit. And quite frankly, we say no, we need housing in suburban areas, we need housing in infill areas, we need uh, obviously high-rise development, we need single-family homes, we need duplex, we need them all. That's what we preach at CBIA. Um, so I think we'll see this tug of war continue, 
between policymakers and urban planners and folks saying, hey, you know what, let's accommodate all the growth in urban areas near transit. Also, one of the things that we have to do in the home building industry, particularly when we build master plan communities, is deal with this new regulation called VMTs, vehicle mile travel. Um, historically, when we build any project, we have to do level of service. How do you reduce congestion in the, if you're building a shopping center or a master plan community? How do you reduce congestion in the streets? Now under VMTs, is how do you eliminate trips totally? It, this policy says people shouldn't be driving at all. <laughs> yes, at all. So these are the policies that we try to push back against and say we need balance. This isn't realistic to the market-based economy that we have today. Interesting. I like, I, I like that I'm in Florida right now, you know? <laughs> we need to be more like Florida, absolutely. Well, you know, there's a chart that I paid attention to when I, you know, you make decisions, and there's migration of money. So this is, be, this is serious. So Florida has the most migration of billions of dollars by far, when you look at the top 10 list, Florida's number is more than number two through nine. On the negative side, California has got the most wealth leaving. And, you know, that's the part of the problem with the policies, you know, that you're just going, okay, there's nothing available other than an ADU. You know, there is, you guys have land still available in like amenities and all that. It's just hard to understand why they're saying, well, we can't buy any, build any tracks there, you know? It's just well, sad. You know, Bruce, you were talking in the last uh, segment a little bit about from a permit perspective. Um, you know, we look at the amount of permits that were pulled just in 2021. Everybody thinks that 2021 was this fantastic year of construction. Uh, the reality was the amount of permits that were pulled nationwide for 2021 matched what was pulled in the year 2000. Okay. So we reached about 1.1 million permits in 2000, about the same thing in 2021. Nationally. Nationally. Yeah. You know, we swelled up to about 1.8, 1.9 in the, the 05 and 06. Right, and but that was crazy. About, we, <laughs> we dropped down to about 25% right. in 07. Right. So, you know, we're coming back up and in, in the aspect of there's a shortage on housing, which you started talking about. I guess my question out of that is, and, and you and I were talking about this beforehand, how, how, you know, it's easy for me in Florida to say, I, I don't have those problems. I mean, you know, we talked about that. I don't have that problem of how to build new housing, but yet we still have a shortage of housing because you and I've talked today, that's not coming, of what you talked about in the segment, that's not coming out of, of a resale. The, the, the people in Florida are not going to walk from a 2 3 or 4% no. to buy anything in a 5 6 7 or 8 well, that's so in that building of, of, of filling that space out of people that are renting or those types of things, once we can get to an affordability rate, how do we do that in California? Because California is basically saying, we don't want to be a part of, of anything to fill that niche of permits that's needed for the country that we're already behind. Yeah, so that's, that's something that Cornelius and I have been, we're, we spent 30 minutes talking about the problem. How, well, that's, that's why there's so many people leaving, right? It's just they can't find the home that they want. So it's uh, it just it's it's just discouraging because you know I've been live I'd left in California for a long time, but it's it's hard for somebody to start here, right? Because of the price and everything. But then you you're saying okay, can you imagine? I can't imagine the conversation with my wife. Okay, the only thing that's available is an ADU above somebody else's garage. But we get to own it, you know that wouldn't go over too good. <laughs> Craig, I wanted to ask you something on the building side. Um, 
do habits change a builder? So let's say you're building in 2020, you're probably as comfortable as can be specking without a, a buyer in hand. Do, does that habit change to where are builders now waiting until they have maybe a contract more often before they build? Over, uh, well, o over the last two years, that has definitely you know, changed a lot. And, and, and uh, builders, depending on their pace of being able to deliver a product, which uh, all things being equal, that, the last two years of that as builder has been extremely difficult to, del to deliver a product on, a, on, on time. Uh, in a decent time frame. But, you know, a lot of that over the last few years has, has taken place because, you know, if, if you gave a fixed contract starting in 2000 uh, that you, you wrote in February of 2000 and you delivered that product in, uh, you know, let's say August or September, uh, you, you'd had a 35% price increase on, on your cost of goods. Uh, if you're in affordability housing, you don't have that margin. So you were selling that house and paying $20,000 to get to the closing table. Uh, so you're talking you're about in, 2020? In 2020. 2020, okay. Correct. So by midway through 2020, you know, a lot of builders were, were having to say, hey, we, we're not going to continue to eat this. Right. Uh, because, you know, for six, well, starting about 15, uh, as building started to move back up, a lot of builders, not all, but a lot of builders were going to a fixed price that they didn't have cost escalators in them. And so in that process, you know, builders were saying, hey, wait a minute, we're, we're about to be toasted here. So uh, a lot of them had to get out of those, you know, get those off the, the balance sheet and then start going to cost escalators or just waiting until the very end. You know, okay. cost escalators wasn't good because the lenders didn't like them and so they didn't want to lend on it because they didn't know where if the person was going to even build a, you know, how much work was a lender going to do to not be able to close that loan when they got to it because if the cost of the house had gone up 30%, the person couldn't do it, then they just done work for nothing. How have you implemented uh, loan buy-downs in, in the new housing sales? So it's interesting in, in what Doug was talking about earlier, you know, a lot of the, the big nationals, you know, they've got a balance sheet a lot different than I do. So they can afford to go in and do a, a two, three percent buy down. You know, buy that down from eight and a quarter down to five, five and a half. Up front. Up front. Which is not cheap. It, it, it is not cheap. You know, for me in the in a three hundred and fifty to four hundred thousand dollar house, I can buy down a point and a quarter for about sixty eight hundred bucks. Uh, I go to two points, it takes me to twenty five thousand dollars. So for a, 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 you know, I'm, I'm going to do two hundred fifty houses this year. Uh, that that's that's a that's a big swing that says okay this this house may not be profitable anymore right. or a, a, as profitable and still cover fixed costs on on all the employees that we've got so it, it's definitely a challenge in competing with some of the nationals because they they've got the ability and they've got a balance sheet that they can back into uh, and and do things that a lot of regionals and smaller builders physically can't do but a permanent you know point point and a quarter buy down uh, that's a that's a great tool that we've used. And, and are using it, and it's making a difference because, again, for you know, for most of what we do, our bread and butter is is affordable workforce housing. Uh, a point and a quarter on our housing is three to three hundred fifty dollars change in their payment. Right. Uh, that that now says that that mom and dad can still go buy milk and can take their kids out to see a movie on the weekends. Okay. Joey, where are you? You gave me a one. You gave me one finger. I don't know which one it was, but. <laughs> it was this one. All right. At this time, we're going to bring the rest of the panelists up.
But um, we have something special. Um, Tom Wilson, uh, could you please come up to the stage? Is that on? Hello. Yeah. Hello. So we're, we can't, I think, say that we're happy that Bruce is going to retire from this or this would be the last event. But we also didn't want uh, to let it go by without acknowledging the humanity of this gentleman. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. So we have, we have a couple of things, and it's uh, for for all of us. So this is from all of us, um, and to know the man is to love the man. And uh, we were trying to think of things that would be specific to, the, to our what attracted us to this. For, for me, I suggested it's the education and the celebration. Uh, this event represents both of those things, and that's a big part of your life. So thank you for Chuck, that. Thank you, you very much. Chuck, did you read what it was? Oh, I didn't. Oh. So, um, so we all know this is a um, certificate of a um, acknowledgement of a donation made to the Nixon Library and the Na Nixon National Cancer Conference. Um, in honor of Bruce Norris and in memory of Aaron Norris. So from all of the uh, sponsors and all of the... Uh, Thank you very much. Thank you. I, um, I had the pleasure of meeting Bruce in about 2005 and he put the data behind my hunch and feelings that we were in a bubble. And uh, Bruce, I really love you, but I especially like that you saved me so much money. <laughs> I when um, early on in getting to know Bruce, we were engaged in a conversation one time with a real estate professional who was arguing something really silly, like prices always come down when mortgage rates go up. Yeah, <laughs> which, which we all know, you know, Bruce has taught us otherwise. And uh, when the conversation was over. I, uh, I turned to Bruce and said, Bruce, you were, you were so quiet. You didn't really argue your, your case, your, your, your perspective, which I know is quite different. And he said, uh, Tom, I'm never interested in being right. I just want to get it right. Is that so, Bruce Norris? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So on behalf of the sponsors and all of us who have um, gotten great pleasure out of this world-class event that Aaron started and that um, you know, you've embraced in all these years, thanks for all this uh, uh, wonderful fact-based education that you've given us. Thank and you. And I have a, have a plaque here for you which shows a picture of the uh, panel of uh, I Survived in the years. Okay. So this, uh, this, art, this started in 2008, this is the 16th year wow. where I Survived. And it says, uh, presented to Bruce Norris and the Norris Group in memory of Aaron Norris, in gratitude for your years of inspiration and your real estate investment community and the survivors. Very cool, thank, thank you. you. Thank you guys.
Thank you. Thank you. See iSurvivedRealEstate.com for event details, information on all our generous sponsors, and to connect with our speakers. We'd also like to thank our gold sponsors, Chase Leland Photography, Fair Trade Real Estate, Inland Valley Association of Realtors, Keystone CPA, Lavis Tax Wealth Management, NorCal REA, NSDREI, Pasadena Phoebe, Property Radar, The Outspoken Investor, Tony Alvarez, White House Catering, Windermere Tower Realty, Rick and Leanne Rossiter, CISurvivedRealEstate.com for event details. For more information on hard money loans and upcoming events with the Norris Group, check out thenorrisgroup.com. For information on passive investing with trust deeds, visit tngtrustdeeds.com. The Norris Group originates and services loans in California and Florida under California DRE License 01219911, Florida Mortgage Lender License 1577, and NMLS License 1623669. For more information on hard money lending, go to thenorrisgroup.com and click the hard money tab.